Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast, everybody. Greetings. Hello and welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here. My name is Crystal Williams. This is Lindsay Simsick, and we've been doing this for about six and a half years now. We've grown almost 30 from the ground up. We were not in the biz before we did this, and we are a small business, small team of women that support you and your evolution, and we're really grateful that you're here. Yeah, so excited you're here. Um, I love an episode like today. We get a little taste of therapy for ourselves. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking that. I'm like, oh my God. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I was and like, why so- am I? I well, she's amazing. But I was like, I felt so seen and hurt. I was like, I feel great. And I'm like, I'm with a therapist. <laughs> we've had a lot of access to therapists lately, just in conversations. We've had a lot of therapists yes. on and we were at an event with two chairs here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and they provide um, really beautiful therapeutic spaces and therapy for people that's more accessible. And we were talking to therapists all night. I'm like, this is great. I know. I feel so seen. <laughs> Dude, what? <laughs> yeah, this was a really, really beautiful conversation. And, you know, even before Dr. Tama Bryant arrived, we were talking about like how much information, and we talked about this with her too, but how much information is out there. Yes. The posts on Instagram, the information on This is what you could be healing right now. And this is, you know, what you might be struggling with. And it's like, there's so much. And it's like, how do we digest this? How do we contemplate so that we can kind of find our own connection and truth to it? It's a lot. Yes. I think about like famous philosophers, you Mm -hmm. know, in history, and they would noodle on one phrase, one word. Contemplation, baby. One concept at a time. Mm -hmm. Contemplation and we have access through Instagram and Twitter and TikTok to these concepts and ideas and beliefs and, you know, things that would take a lifetime to figure out. Yes. You know, like the mother wound, as mm-hmm. an example, or codependency or whatever trauma that you're working with or whatever you've experienced. It's like, it is, it kind of prevents us from actually doing the work of the healing. And I don't even want to say the work doing the, allowing the space, allowing the time, Mm -hmm. allowing the the digestion of their ideas. Because I do believe that once you have awareness of something, that's like half the battle. Yes. I I noticed that in a small example, like when I was going to, and this is just personal to me, when I was going to therapy every single week, Mm -hmm. it was super helpful, you know, for the first six months because we really just got in and got to know each other. And I got to share like all that I needed to share and and process a lot. But then I was like, oh, it's really actually important to have that space Mm -hmm. to like live what I've been working through. So it's not so much like, okay, let me practice this every single day. It's like, no, let me go out and live. Yeah. And then allow what will naturally come up, which are, you know, these challenging moments or moments like, oh, this is the trigger moment, you know? And and then approach from that new space. And I needed that because I would come to sessions and I'm like, yeah, I didn't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I need a little bit more time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I don't know what my flow is. I think because we travel a lot, I travel, it kind of ends up being mm-hmm. three times a month or four. I don't know. It just kind of goes in seasons. But yeah. It's been nice that I've been able to have it and tap in for support when I need. And yes. We're obviously huge fans of therapy. So highly recommend whether you do something with BetterHelp, we have a code, almost 30, or whether you find someone in your area, we highly suggest it. I just wanted to read this tweet that Dr. Tama 
shared just before we get started because I felt like this was such a good one. She says, when you clear things off your to-do list, release the temptation of adding more things to their place. You deserve the delicious delight of stillness. I love that. So simple. Because how how often? I mean, if my to-do list doesn't have things on it, who am I? I know. Who who is she? I I I love a no to-do list. Oh my gosh, no. I'm like the longer the better. I'm like shave my legs, take a shower. It depends on my mood. Sometimes my mood is like I'm so excited to go. Yeah. And Gemini. Then, yeah, and then sometimes I'm like no no no, mm-hmm. give me space. Yeah, that Gemini moon is is kicking. But it's kind of weird because I have stuff on my to-do list that's been there for for months and I'm like it just kind of and, and then what your brain does actually is it sees them as it sees that as zero. It's almost like with the mm, inbox, yeah. like you having it recalibrates. Don't yeah, two thousand unread emails. It becomes your zero, <laughs> yeah. and then so you have two thousand one. You're like, I have one email. Yeah, totally. you know. So your totally. brain kind of ignores things on your to do list, but I think so many of us live and die by that. But what if it was something where we didn't have anything on that? Mm-hmm. What? Who are we then, and what could we do? Yes. I wanted to share a quote she said in the interview, so stay tuned. Authenticity starts with telling myself the truth. That hit me. I mean, <laughs> I, was in, like, I was in <sighs> bed last night, and I was like, tell yourself the truth. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> you're like, tell yourself you the smell. truth. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like, tell Kristen yourself the truth. I, like, smell right now. We smell. We reek. <laughs> Guys, it's been a. People are like, "You're Sorry, fine." Sorry, when you eat healthy, to, I need someone to tell me that that I smell. When you microdose and you eat healthy, this is what happens. Yeah, it's been wild. I'm like, I don't know if it's it's the microdosing, to be honest, but it's a little. It's just very earthy. Totally, it's like it's it's pungent. But I, the other day, I had a not to go off, but I was just like, oh, this is something I've never smelled before. You yes. know, it's like just a new iteration. It is. <laughs> It's very interesting. So yeah, that was the honesty. But oh. it is a fun thing, you know, thinking about just going to bed, spending time with yourself yeah. in the car in silence. How can you get honest with yourself? And what about that is scary for you? Because on that piece of the authenticity, starting with you being honest with yourself, she said that it's okay to say, I know the truth, but I'm scared right now. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing. Instead of because she said everyone says, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So either you, I, us have not taken the time to get clear on what the truth is and that needs space, mm-hmm. or you do know the truth, but you're scared. Yes. And I think that's so truthful and honest. Yeah, because it it kind of serves both, where it's like the honesty is the most powerful. And then it also holds you where you're like, you validate the feeling in the moment. Yes. And if you're saying this to another person where it's like, this is the truth I know. Yeah. And it's overwhelming. Yeah. Or I'm scared. And I think that it's like a bridge, you know, that allows the other person or people to, you know, the opportunity to understand what's happening in the moment. Um, I th- yeah, I thought that was so powerful. There's, There's going to be many moments of yes, that in this conversation. I learned a lot in yes. this conversation. I enjoyed it so very much. It felt very truthful. It felt very relevant. And it felt so inspiring and welcoming. Mm-hmm. So if you enjoyed this, share it with a friend. This is a really beautiful way to support someone in your circle yes. and community with this information, with this resource. Um, you can also share on social. We love when you tag us at Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. And make sure to get our book. Her new book, Homecoming, is out right now. Yes. It's 
really, really good. Um, her website is drtema.com, D-R-T-H-E-M-A.com. She's on Twitter as such and on Instagram. But yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Tema. And get on almost30.com. You can learn more about us. You can learn more about our courses and programs, uh, about our membership, which is just a really special place where Krista and I just go a few layers deeper with y'all, spend quality time, lots of learning, growing, laughing in there. And we just love, love, love hanging out with our members and camps coming up. So make sure that you're at our free free camp that we do every six months to celebrate membership opening. Yeah, I love camp. It's so special. We have some of the best people in the biz giving you free information and resources, and we will be celebrating so much during that time. So we love all you members. Thank you for being a part of our lives, and we love you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter and on TikTok. We are on TikTok. We're TikToking. We're <laughs> TikToking. And <baby>. almost30.com. <laughs> we love you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, I know life can be really overwhelming. I know a lot of you out there are probably feeling burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, attachment fatigue, and many more. I've definitely been burned out before. I've felt really detached from people, from my life in general, from my passion, from just my vitality. I've felt just a low-level anxiousness all the time. Uh, I've felt fatigue. I feel like because my mind is just running, running, running. And so if this sounds like you, if you've ever felt burned out, um, if you're feeling burned out right now, I highly, highly recommend therapy. Ah, I highly recommend BetterHelp. A lot of us have busy lives. And so if therapy can be easy, virtual, and affordable, y'all, I got you. Any of the roles in your life, a parent, a sister, a friend, a boss, really anything can cause burnout. So having a therapist really can help you figure out what is causing stress in your life, help you to redefine it, and really get to the root of what is happening. I've been in therapy for three years and it's the best investment I've ever made, hands down. BetterHelp, if you don't know, is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's really awesome. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Almost 30 listeners. Yes, that is you. You're listening to this podcast. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash almost 30. That's betterhelp.com slash almost 30. B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash almost 30. You create content, you know, you have your podcast and so many things and your Twitter is amazing, your Instagram and it does feel like I've always felt like that where you create this content that is a lifelong lesson that people could learn it so much. So what do you suggest for people who are consuming your content or other people's that has so much depth and richness to it? Yeah. That would take a long time to understand or it may take a short time. What do you mm -hmm. suggest for people to navigate the world in that way? Yes. So it is important to be able to hold on to the message because mm -hmm. a lot of times something can sound good and then you never apply it. 
And so you're I'm, like, save right. moving on. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, that was really amazing. Yes. Back, back to the way I was doing yes. it. Right? Uh, 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 uh. So I love when people share that the quotes that really resonate with them, they'll print up or put it on a sticky tab, put it on their mirror, mm. put it in their place of work, you know, put it in their organizer so that you can see it again and again. And then uh, they can also use it as a journal prompt. So if you buy an empty journal, and just whenever you come across a tweet or a quote that speaks to you, to unpack it so that it can actually apply to your life. Mm-hmm. What does this mean for me? Mm. I love that because it's like, what about it? That's what's so much. It's like taking everything a step further Yes, from the surface. Yes. Like, what about this resonates with me now? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. the contemplation of it is yes. kind of missing. And the integration yeah. yes. and the digestion Right. And, and then the application. Yeah, but mm-hmm. right? so now too. you said it. I wasn't going to. <laughs> you know, literally, I'm like, just, I'm like noodling in my brain about it forever, yeah. <laughs> letting it be. So we can get stuck in that. And that's why I intentionally, uh, in the book, the end of each chapter has a homework assignment mm-hmm. because I want people to live it. It's like you can be in therapy for years and talking yourself in circles, but it is about how do I integrate it? How do I apply it? And one of the things that I uh, talk about, and I know from my own life experience, is sometimes we hide behind confusion, right? Mm -hmm. So if I keep saying, I don't know, I don't know, Uh then I don't have to do anything, right? I'm not sure. I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I think. And so it's progress to be able to say, I know, but I'm afraid, right? Mm. I know what I need to do, but I'm afraid, or I know, and I don't know how, then let that's a step forward instead of hiding in the confusion. Mm-hmm. Wow. We were talking about this the other day and like the the constant consumption of the the nuggets mm-hmm. and how how that also can potentially confuse us and keep us in that loop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad you brought that up. I it made me think about, you know, when I go to therapy, I'm like, okay, what am I gonna what am I gonna like talk about today? Mm-hmm. And what problem am I am I going to focus on? When you have your clients coming in or in group therapy, how do you kind of nurture rather than the focus on like the thing we're gonna work on in therapy, mm-hmm. bring out the more natural and organic thing that's at the forefront of their experience? Yeah. So it is important in therapy to we'll say co-create the agenda, mm-hmm. right? of what you're coming in with. So, you know, so like kind of what comes up with you. Some people call that a check-in. Um, but what the therapist or psychologist is doing is listening for the themes, right? Because I could come in every week and tell you a different story about my cousin, right? My, and some people do that, right? So, but what I'm listening for is, you know, what is the emotion there? What is the unspoken? What does this have to do with your journey? So to learn how to connect the dots. So it is important for people to come in with an intention, but just be willing to unpack that, Mm. to build on that, and to be aware that sometimes there is a need that we have not yet acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And so to be uh, safe exploring that. And I want to say also there are different approaches to therapy. And so some people want a sounding board right? That they are looking for just a safe space where they can like uh, unpack what happened this week or what's happening in their life. And and so 
They love a very gentle, quiet, reflective therapist who you feel not judged by and you could say anything. And that can be very healing. And then some people, you know, want it to be a place where they're learning. I want I want to get skills and give me a handout and like, mm-hmm. how, how do I apply this? And, you know, what are my marching orders? And some people are open to the dance, right, of really mm. the creative back and forth. And so knowing what you want is one thing, but then knowing what you need mm-hmm. is another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting how in therapy, it's, it is such a microcosm of, of you and like an exploration of you. It's been fascinating. You know, I've had times where I come in and I'm spending 15 minutes talking about whatever, avoiding the thing I need to be talking about. And yes. it's like, okay, you know what it yes. is? And it's so funny mm-hmm. because I think I'm not being obvious, mm-hmm. but I'm being so obvious. Yes. And it's so clear what's happening where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, and I've had times where I come in and she's like, you're interesting today. And I'm like, <laughs> I fucking am. Like, what is that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm in like, I too. Like, what? And it's, I'm on one. <laughs> it's such a great mirror that's a safe mirror of yes. what's happening here and right. what is really, what you're really experiencing in your journey in the space, are there themes that are very prominent that have come up for you that you're noticing in these now times? Yeah. So one, I I love what you share that testimonial. We call it uh, doorknob confessions when people are like right before session ends. Oh, I meant to tell you, you know, I broke up with my man. Oh, I meant to tell you I put my mother out. (laughs) Like, wait, 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 like in five minutes to go. (laughs) Now that you're warmed up and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, part of our experience, right? The big themes that I'm seeing coming up now are around shame and silence, secrecy, and the hunger for approval, right? And that's literally wanting likes, Mm -hmm. right? You know, how many likes? They like my picture. Who liked my picture? What did they say? And that for some people that the, the balance of their life hanging on that. And so really having to develop an internal self, right? Because as I had one client say, well, what does it matter if I feel good about me if everybody else doesn't? It's like, let's slow that down, right? Let's slow that all the way down when instead of just holding up a mirror, we are putting our self-worth in the hands of strangers, Mm. right? That they get to tell me, am I good enough, right? Am I worthy, was I witty enough, smart enough, cute enough? And so um, it is self-erasure. Why? And, and we can miss that because it looks like a lot of self-promotion. Like we look super visible, but we are actually invisible to ourselves. Mm. Can we unpack that self-erasure, yeah. like how that shows up in social media, but then also mm-hmm. outside of that? Yeah. So self-erasure is really related to people-pleasing. And it is, you know, often a skill we learn very early that in order to survive, in order to be safe, in order to be liked, I can anticipate what people want and give it to them, right? And people will praise you for it. People will praise you for erasing yourself, for having no needs, right? 
Or do you need anything? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just here to help you. Mm-hmm. Oh, people, we love that, right? Mm-hmm. You, a person with no needs who just wants to be of service to you. And so we get that reinforced in friendship and relationship. So that's how people can be uh, in friendships for years with people who you know don't like you, right? Don't care about you. But, you know, I just have to keep them pleased in some way. And so, you know, one of the pieces I talk about of of reclaiming yourself and coming home to yourself is, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. When you find yourself, some people won't like it, right? There are people who like you silent. There are people who like it that you don't have a lot of opinions. There are people who like that you agree with them. So they don't actually Mm. like you. They like their echo, right? Mm. Their amen corner, of everything you say, they're like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But let you have an opinion that's different from theirs. And then we're going to see, are we really friends? Mm-hmm. Right? Or you just like yourself coming out of another voice. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that uh, self-erasure is so painful because we can even trick ourselves. Right? It's not even that we are consciously lying to people. is we really believe we're okay. I like, no, I don't need anything. I'm good. I'm good. And so what it takes to have that awakening moment of realizing I'm not good, like this is not okay with me, which is why then when it comes out, sometimes it can be explosive because we've been holding it for years. And then people think you're being dramatic or you're being sensitive, but it has been years in the making of like silencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like in... It's been a theme like in friendships where, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm the same person, but I'm definitely a different person than I was in a lot of these friendships when they began. And I feel like the reclaiming or coming home to self has either strengthened the relationship when we've had a conversation around it or I've like reintroduced myself or it's just marked the ending of a relationship. And um, yeah, it's been hard, but also like it's... It feels really good. Yes. It feels really good to be in relationship mm-hmm. with people as Yourself. myself mm-hmm. and not be abandoning. And right. it wasn't like blatant, but mm-hmm. I I was easy. You know, mm-hmm. I'm easy. Whatever. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. it was blatant. Yes. Yes. I saw someone recently put in social media, and I'm sorry, I won't be able to recall their name, but they said, are you easy to please or just accustomed to being neglected? I saw that too. Right? Mm. So powerful, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I love what you're sharing of friendships ending uh, can be painful, but also liberating because, you know, we're not really friends if I can't be myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that season can end and now I can either connect with this person more authentically or connect with people who are more in alignment with me. And what a gift right? To give ourselves the honesty and the truth because uh, we can throw around this word friend too lightly, you know? Mm. Like uh, it's yes. just loyalties, uh, time served, right? Yes. They know me so long. So they get, you know, honorary status, even though like they try to sabotage me and step on my wings and can't celebrate me and, you know, consume the whole phone call with themselves and then they have to go. Yes. Right? So it's like, 
So is that friendship? Mm-hmm. Story of my life. Yeah. yeah. This is, I'm resonating so much. It's painful to this whole conversation and that self-abandonment. And that's the journey that I'm in right now is the reintroduction. Yeah. Because I'm someone that very much meets other people's needs. I love to listen. I love to learn. Mm-hmm. So I am naturally interested, but it oftentimes is lopsided where I'm fully focused on them. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of our community can relate to that situation. Mm-hmm. So if you're going through that in your relationships, do you believe we should take time and reset and then reintroduce and have an honest conversation? Or what would what would mm-hmm. you believe to be the journey forward if you're noticing the patterns that you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. I, I, one, appreciate the transparency. Yeah. And two, you're definitely not by yourself. I think many of us who are compassionate, some people say empathetic uh, listeners can find ourselves in that. But the meeting that I had to have with myself and that I have to have with clients is what has been my role in perpetuating that cycle? Mm-hmm. When you are the strong one, right, the strong one in your friendship circle, the strong one in your family, the strong one on your job, that there is a way in which we have uh, co-created those dynamics where sometimes if we're struggling, we hide, right? We avoid people because we don't want to be a burden, mm-hmm. but we're there whenever they have an issue. Mm-hmm. And so we have taught people that we don't need anything and so then they're startled when we actually falling apart, right? Which is a painful time to discover it when your world is upside down that suddenly like, I don't have anybody who can really catch me. Like, they're mm-hmm. just all used to me catching them. And so uh, it is releasing, in some ways, the ego gratification that comes yes. from, you know, the sentence is, if it wasn't for me. If it wasn't for me, this thing would fall apart. If it wasn't for me, well, you know that could be. Uh-huh, no, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. What if it's true though? Right. <laughs> then I have to stop it. Right. Then I have to. Uh, I'll give you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like we landed here. I gave like, Dr. Tama a full breakdown. <laughs> yeah, honestly, you're like looking at your notes under the thing. You're like. And if it wasn't for me, <laughs> called out. No, it, it's, uh, so I'll give you just an example for me. I, I was leading this women's group and I was the workshop facilitator. I was driving the furthest distance. I had to bring my kids with me. These women were showing up just receiving and I was bringing the refreshments. It was so ridiculous. And so finally, and it was that whole, like, if it wasn't for me, I, you know, I got to do this for the women, blah, blah, blah. And so when I finally just announced one month, because it's a monthly meeting, uh, I'm not going to be bringing the refreshments anymore. Not only did the women step up, but their refreshments were 10 times better than mine. <laughs> I was like, we could have been having this feast every month. But I was, you know, being- You have like Capri Suns and orange slices. <laughs> you like, right. yes. They're like, fresh banana bread. Yes. 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 Like, They're like, thank God she said that. <laughs> <laughs> now we can bring the good stuff. Yes. So sometimes we have to step back and either people will step up or if they don't, some of this stuff didn't need to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's say if the, if I stop bringing it and they didn't step up, then we just don't need refreshments. So, you know, sometimes with that fear of like, it'll all be ruined. Yes. You know, there was a, a woman at my church in South Los Angeles who got tired of, I think it was either for Mother's Day or Easter, where she would prepare this big feast and everybody would show up late and be ungrateful and complaining. And so just one year she announced she wasn't doing it. And they were like, what in the world? And so that year, there was none, like nobody else stepped up. 
But the next year when she did it, everybody was on their best behavior. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And they showed up with gratitude and on time yes. and asked, could they help? And so if we have landed in a place where uh, the world is on our shoulders, to give ourselves permission to put it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the wounded feminine, you know, mm-hmm. that core where it's like, I'm doing so much. Yes. Why can't you see me? Mm-hmm. And I always, I always ask in my therapy, I'm like, okay, when I feel that, when I'm saying, but I do so much, you yeah. know, I'm like, what's the shadow of that? Because mm-hmm. there's that part of you that's like, that wants to think that you're always clear, mm-hmm. you know, what, what I'm doing everything for everyone. I'm listening all the time, but it's yeah. like, and for me, it's that mm-hmm. what you said um, and then also it's the feeling of control. Yes. I can control mm-hmm. the That's situation right. if I'm mm-hmm. always like, yes. it's all about, you know what I mean? Right. And I don't have to be seen a mm-hmm. lot of times too. Oh, yeah. And you can be very much present and unseen. And and it looks very intimate because they're telling you all their secrets, yes. right? They're mm-hmm. falling apart. And you're just like, yes, yes, yes. But you're, you know, meanwhile, on the inside, all of that stuff is hidden, right? And And lonely. So it uh, it is a control piece and it's a trust issue. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So having to heal our ability to trust. Yes. And I've been realizing it's like, you know, when I've allowed myself to be seen and heard in a relationship where I feel like it's a little imbalanced, like mm-hmm. that's been the key to really dropping into the relationship. I didn't yeah. realize that the other person really wanted to be there for me yes. and really yes. wanted to listen. That's right. You yes. know, like, and I think I just had so much like, mm-hmm. well, I'm the good listener mm-hmm. and I'm a great friend. And yeah. that's what, you know, but it's like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a friend say that blatantly to me. I feel mm-hmm. like you're not really vulnerable with me and it's hard for me to feel connected to you. And ah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank goodness for that truth telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is while we're afraid of being a burden it actually is denying people the opportunity to be a friend or to be a partner. Like we we don't allow them to show up for us when we're like, I'm fine. Mm. Yes. Right? All, all is well. Yes. Yeah. My thing is I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to share and connect because I'm like, because I have a very specific way of feeling held in mm-hmm. conversation or feeling held and safe. Mm-hmm. And it's so somatic and it's so eye contact and it's so energetic. Like mm-hmm. I know when someone is, connecting with me from a heart space. Mm -hmm. So it's like the fear of starting to and then not feeling held and then being like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. You know, being like, why did I even do this? Mm -hmm. Right. So two things with that. One is... This is my uh, therapy session. It's great. (laughs) Homecoming. (laughs) But the key is, you know, as as you described before, you're not the only one. Like we all kind of wrestle with these. So it's, it's great you're saying that. So one piece of it is recognizing that while we want people to read our minds, we really have to teach people what we want, mm-hmm. right? Because some people share and they want, you know, emotional support. Some people want a solution, right? So if I talked and people can't guess which one you want, right? Did you want me to hold you and be quiet? Or did you want me to like give you a strategy of how I would do it if I was you? Or And if they get it wrong, then like, we're, like you said, defeated, deflated. I knew I shouldn't have said anything. But they're just guessing until like we teach people what we want in general or what we want in the moment. And most people can shift if they know what you want. And then I will say there are family members and friends who don't have the capacity to shift. And so then I just know what I can get from them, right? 
that, you know, there are going to be people in your life who are just advice givers. They like they can't. <laughs> they don't know how to do that other than they're like, well, you know, it was a problem. So I had to solve it. <laughs> so, right. And so I can uh, I can receive the intention even if I don't want to take the advice, mm-hmm. right? I know it's coming because they care and they're trying to help me. And so it's not a disaster. It's just like, you know, thank you. That's, that is their hug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The clarity is so powerful. And it reminded me when I first started my relationship with my now fiance, I wanted him to know mm-hmm. everything that I needed and wanted and how I wanted it delivered and communicated and he just said to me one day, like, I'm not here to play guess and check. Like, if you need, and he's very direct. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm like, oh. <laughs> but it was, it was actually yeah, a really helpful. good reminder to mm-hmm. me where he's like, please tell me. Yeah. And now, now he'll be like, do you want me to just listen? Or do you want feedback? Mm-hmm. Or do you want advice? Or which is helpful it's because good. I need, I kind of, I like those choices. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I forget to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that's really yeah. powerful. The it's clarity great. is kind. It's, I, I love you all's communication and it is, it also forces us to know what we want. Sometimes yes, we don't know. It's a good practice. Right? I can't tell you what I wanted until I like check in with myself. Like, what was I mm-hmm. wanting or hoping uh, in this moment? I was talking to a couple and the husband is the type of like, if he's in distress, he likes solitude to like grieve or work it out on his own. And uh, his wife's mother died. And so the wife was in the kitchen cooking and started sobbing. And he came and looked and saw her sobbing and walked out of the kitchen. And she was like, how, like, what kind of human being does that? Right? You see me like sobbing in the kitchen and you glance at me and walk away. Like to her, it was the biggest, like, Mm -hmm. you don't care. And for him, it was I care enough that I know you don't mm. want someone looking at you because he doesn't want yeah. someone looking at him when he, so we can interpret things from our lens and that might not be the meaning that it holds for somebody else. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Which is so important. Mm-hmm. With couples or, you know, more of those couple relationships, whether it's friendships or romantic, in those moments where there's this theme of just misunderstanding, mm-hmm. How would you guide them through the initial new opening point to understanding one another? Yeah. So what I would talk about is love languages and how we often speak in the language we like to hear as opposed to the language that the person likes to hear, Mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, great example with that is uh, there was another couple where— the husband really likes uh, words, verbal affirmation. And so it was kind of, you know, the uh, a reversal of the traditional stereotype. And so he was saying to, uh, actually wasn't wife, girlfriend, that when he comes home, he wanted her to like greet him with like, hey, like love you, miss you, like all these kinds of things. And she's not a word person. She didn't grow up in a house where people said a lot of that. And her literal response was, was it not just last month that I got you that watch? Dang. <laughs> right? Wow. And for her, like, it was like this, you know, she had saved up. She knew he yes. would like it. It was She was very intentional. And she likes gifts. I was going right? to say, it's her love language right? gift. Say right? no more. Okay. Yes. And so it was one of those mm. things where his need is not being met. 
And she also was feeling unrecognized for like, I just did this huge thing for you. And now we're a couple weeks later and you're talking about, you don't know how I feel. (laughs) So to really have that conversation about stepping out of yourself to know like, what is this person's language? How do they hear love? How do they Mm. feel loved? Not how do I feel comfortable expressing love? And so often it's outside of the comfort zone. Yes. Yes. Do you feel like people's love languages change over time and evolve? Right. It can as people heal and grow and sometimes when they get exposed to different. So some people will say like, you know, with that couple I was saying, she didn't grow up with that. But even if you didn't grow up with it, doesn't mean you have to stay stuck in that. It may mean that it is always more of an intention or effort on your part than for someone who just kind of flows in that easily. But Mm. you can develop it, you know. So I did grow up in a house where my mother was very much compliment, affirmation, affirmation. So I don't think about it until someone remarks on it. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, you're so affirming. But it's like, so I'm not trying. It's just... I'm, that's how I'm used to being. If I see something good, I like, I praise it. And, um, you know, to give you a reverse example, I was working with a couple and the husband had worked on like this huge project. And so he was showing it to his wife and she looked at it and her very first comment was something about it that was wrong. And she said, she knew the moment she said it and saw him deflate it, that she had messed up. Right. Mm -hmm. But what her upbringing was is like, look for the gaps. Right. That's how Mm -hmm. she grew up is a parent who was very critical, uh, but actually not out of malice. But some people think that's loving. Even as a therapist, when we're a supervisor, you know, some of the trainees come to me and they feel devastated because their supervisor is always criticizing them. And it may not be they think you're a train wreck, it's some people's style. It doesn't occur to them to say what you did right. They're listening for what you could have done better. And then they only say that, which of course doesn't feel good. Um, so we, but we can shift and mm-hmm. and learn another way. Yes. Mm-hmm. On the couples piece, I was kind of exploring this in therapy with my therapist. I'm trying to understand in my life and just in general, how can you show love and affection and how can you make, sure that people know they're loved during times of conflict and fighting. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't someone that experienced Mm -hmm. that. It felt like the love was always gone when there was conflict. Yes. So I'm trying to figure out in my life now, Mm -hmm. how can I make sure that love is there during time hard times and conflict? Yeah. So to keep the argument about the item, not the person, Mm -hmm. right? Because what happens when it doesn't feel loving is when it becomes like a character attack Mm. or like you always, or that's the problem with you. Or so now I'm not talking about what we disagreed on about how we're going to spend this money or what we're going to do about this. But now, you know, you, you're the target. So that doesn't feel like love. We've researched studies uh, in psychology with couples where we can mute uh, the sound and just by the body language, in an argument, you can tell which couples are going to make it, right? So when people are turned toward each other, leaning in, trying yeah. to like explain their point, then they're communicating. When there is the turning away, when there's the look of disgust, when there is that like hostility and rage, you know, it doesn't matter the subject matter, but you know, it's just about like, am I still 
leaning in like, I can't believe you think that. But, you know, if I'm still trying to make it work, right, if I'm still trying to come to a resolution, there is a leaning in, uh, even with the disagreement as opposed Mm. to the turning away. Wow. Mm. And on that couple piece, there can be that day-to-day patterning, day-to-day things you do, ways you be. What is the value of newness, you know, to, especially if there's, whether it's monotony or just like a conflict going on, like Mm -hmm. how, how can you bring in the new and inject kind of like the truth back into the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. So it is important, especially when there is, has been conflict or is ongoing conflict, uh, not in the sense of like brushed under the rug that we're not going to address it anymore but we have to create some good moments. Like we need some good memories. If all of our best memories are like five years ago, it's going to be really hard for people to see like, why am I going through all of this, right? So I think when people are resistant to creating a good memory, even while it's unresolved, is if they feel like what some people are trying to do is to um, overstep it, to overlook it, uh, trying to escape accountability, And like pretend nothing happened. Um, But instead, if people can trust that, you know, we can go out and have dinner and not make that the center of this conversation. And we are both clear that it's not resolved and we're going to come back to it. Then that will give it more space Mm -hmm. and more room. It's that balancing act. Because if all we do is talk about the conflict, people are going to start avoiding each other. Now we're staying out late. Now you want to be in the room with the door closed, talking to your friends because everything we talk about is the tension. And then the other extreme, which is usually if someone has done something wrong, is they're like, you said you forgave me. Why do you keep talking about it? Let's just have a good time. Mm -hmm. And like trying to escape accountability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. I want to talk a little bit about self-defeating thoughts Mm -hmm. because I think that's so relatable and so many of us can experience it. And in my experience, the most important part, and I'm curious your thoughts on this and the topic in general, is really being able to witness it and see it. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on how people can work with and shift them. Yeah, absolutely. So the key is going to be to stop overgeneralizing, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens is there are times we messed up. Or there are times we said something we shouldn't have said. But when I make it that a global thing Mm -hmm. of I'm so stupid, I'm so needy, I'm so ridiculous, I'm unattractive. So uh, that is what puts us in the mindset that that is my identity, right? So a mistake is a mistake. It's not an identity, you know. So I'm a person who, you know, I have made some unwise choices. And that I can own that. I can own that truth without saying I'm a disaster when it comes to relationships or I'm a disaster at work or I'm just not smart. And so watching how we talk about ourselves and to ourselves. And then I would also say shifting the way we do uh, selective attention because when we're in that self-defeating or that depressed place, the things that stand out to us are the mistakes and we overlook everything we did right. Yes. So we usually take our successes for granted. We're like, oh, that? Because it's not hard to us, right? So it's yes. like the things I'm good at, I'm not going to like give myself uh, praise for because like it wasn't to mm-hmm. us. It wasn't yes. a big deal. But the things I messed up on, now those are like in blaring lights and those are defining me. So to make myself pay attention to 
what did I get right? You know, what did I feel good about? And and even if I didn't jump from level one to level 10, what was the progress, right? So for example, if I'm working with someone and they find themselves like in a common pattern, you know, was it longer before you got back into that pattern? And did you recognize it quicker, right? And are you not making excuses about it and you're determined to get out of that pit now? That's progress. It's not just like I keep being in pits. Well, this pit is actually different. Mm. You know, I, I love those moments in therapy. When it's mm-hmm. probably a little self-serving, but it's like, I love when my therapist is like this, like a year ago, right? you know, where Your I'm progress. like, yeah, you're right. Cause you could yeah. be so in it where you're yeah. like, I'm always working on something right, yeah. and forget the progress. Yeah. You know, working on something keeps you in business in a way <laughs> and just having that kind of narrative online mm-hmm. has something to do with it as well, where people are just yeah, consumed by I I have to work on this. I have to heal this and I'm not, you know, taking away from mm-hmm. No, I know what the you importance mean. of that, but yeah. What would you say about that? Yeah. So, one therapy should be empowering, not promoting dependency. Mm-hmm. So, if like every week people just want to come for me to direct their lives, then I'm I'm not serving them well, right? Cuz then it's like uh, you know what what we're looking for is you say the progress like when people come in and, and at least can recognize it or I caught myself doing this and then I shifted, right? And so, and it's not just like, what do I think? But like, what do you, not just what do you think, what do you know, right? What do you know? And, and tell me what you know. So to be able to have empowerment and growth is important and to know uh, new challenges come up. So it doesn't erase that you have done no quote unquote work on yourself, mm-hmm. Right. It's like different life events, getting married, having a child, starting a new job, getting a promotion. Uh, And so when people come in with a new piece, it doesn't mean they're starting from scratch. It's now like, how do we apply those skills in this way? Because another thing is sometimes people are working on issues hypothetically, right? But when they actually get in the event, it's very... Like in your mind, like, I'm ready. That's so true. (laughs) What's an example, I guess? Well, around dating. Yeah. So I have single people who, let's say, because I do a lot of work around trauma recovery. Mm-hmm. And so they came out of, you know, abusive, dysfunctional, toxic relationships. They come in for therapy and they're like, I feel great. I'm back within myself. I'm ready. Then they get on those little apps mm-hmm. <laughs> and some foolishness happens or that, or they're giving people a million chances. And I'm like, well, and why do you keep calling them back? You know, <laughs> so like, didn't they like stand you up four times? So... Uh, so that's the application, yes. right? Uh, or, you know, when people are critical at work of people with power and then they get a promotion, right? So it's, it's a different beast when you're outside of it saying what they should do. And then when you hold the keys, now now how do you do that, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's very that's different. That's huge. Yeah. That's a huge mm-hmm. thing. Because mm-hmm. I even feel like culturally. Yes that happens where it's like there's so much criticism of everything yes which a lot of it is warranted mm-hmm. but it's so interesting because if there's so much criticism of the right way then some people have shifted into the keys of power yeah but there hasn't been a shift in the way that people have wanted mm-hmm. and it's just such a part of the human experience to want to shift at this level and then when people get power it's like they kind of sometimes do the same thing. Yes, mm. absolutely. You know, th- to be the critic, but then, you know, can you hold on to yourself? Can you remember 
what it felt like in that same system when you didn't have yes. the power. Uh, because sometimes we'll use, people will use the excuse, well, we know things that they don't know. Or like, well, we can't change it because, you know, it's, it can be a lot of excuse making where when uh, you're outside of that, sometimes you can have more clarity um, but then being dismissed. And also sometimes people get addicted to the power, right? It's like, I want to hold on to my position. So now who am I trying to please? The powerless people or the powerful people? Mm. Uh, so all of those dynamics are real. And then back to your piece about people perpetually working on themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's another balancing act of, uh, can I engage in self-acceptance where I am? Not from a place of settling, but let's say even around like body image and body shame. Mm. Even if I'm saying like I'm trying to tone up or whatever, while I am in that process, can I really accept my own body? Can I can I see my own beauty in my current state? Or it won't be until I'm this size, right? Mm. That now I am beautiful for those like three months and then, yes. you know, then the pounds came back. Yes. So uh, to really say... While I am a work in progress, a work in process, um, that I celebrate and see and appreciate myself for where I am right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a good reminder. And there's so much weight to that, Mm -hmm. you know, to the self-acceptance piece. And it's funny because we hear the word self-love, self-acceptance. When you really are with it, it does erase the need to always be working on the self and always be changing and always be having this list of things. And the hypothetical thing is so powerful too because I think social media has made us understand all of these things in a way that we didn't before, where people understand mother wound, father wound, narcissism, codependency, enmeshment, you know, all these words. Mm -hmm. And then we think by reading these quotes and captions and all these things online that we're sort of working on them, but it's becoming hypothetical. So it's almost like a just this hamster wheel yeah. of a hypothetical working, and then it's preventing us from actually either doing the work or accepting ourselves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, for who we are. Right, that there's a lot of the jargon, right? People know what to say, or now they're trying to diagnose everybody. Yes. Yes. Like, everybody's a narcissist. I went through that tip for a little bit. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I'm not a narcissist. Yeah. Sometimes I was like, look in the mirror. I'm like, am I the narcissist? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what is that trend, though? Because I do feel like everyone is yeah. a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you notice happening in the world? Like with that Especially piece, with though, social media. With social yeah. media, because there is a piece. So the reason why I think that is because I attracted them. <laughs> but also it's, there's this addiction to the work. There's this addiction to the self kind of in the, the personal growth space where you're like, I'm working on this, I'm doing this. And it becomes so self-obsessed and so self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. But then there is this device and experience with the online world that can provide a great place for narcissism in a small way. So I know it's a spectrum, but what do you see happening around narcissism in general? Yeah. So one is the, the gift of more education and awareness is it is more... Um, recognized or in the forefront of people's mind. So the gift I think of that is previously, I feel people really overlooked emotional abuse, right? So if in a relationship, whether 
family or dating, if it was physical, then most people would agree like that is terrible. Like that Mm -hmm. shouldn't happen. But the emotional piece, I think people didn't really recognize it as such. You know, I was even doing a a workshop and uh, I was talking about intimate partner violence. And then I started talking about emotional abuse Literally during the break, one of the men who were uh, who was there came up to me really tearful and said, I just called my wife and apologized. I've, I've done all of those things. I didn't know I was abusive, mm. you know. And so I think there is this idea of like cheating is bad, hitting people is bad, but like all this other, you know, uh, manipulation or belittling or all of it just wasn't seen. But as you said, like it's a continuum. So now if anybody overlooks someone or if anyone is arrogant, then we're, you know, saying like <laughs> it's a diagnosis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, uh, it's that a piece of like a little bit of knowledge yes. <laughs> can yeah. become very dangerous. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the wrong hands. Yeah. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? <laughs> What? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some, some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing, you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things. And while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends and they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense and she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high potency, fast acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Deloon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. 
every single day, whether I take it with cold water or I put it in my smoothie, I have athletic greens. This is a staple in my routine. It is a staple in what I am putting in my body and for good reason. I'm sure you've heard about it, but AG1 by Athletic Greens is the category leading superfood product. This brings a comprehensive, super convenient daily nutrition to everybody. So this is one single scoop. Let me tell you what's in one single scoop. It's going to absolutely blow your mind. It has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more in that one scoop, that one serving per day. Uh, All of their ingredients are of the best quality. They are obsessed with making sure it's high quality, bioavailable. I've trusted them for years. They've been a partner of the show for years and for good reason. We've heard from so many of you out there who have started using Athletic Greens in your routine and it's just, it just changes everything. Your digestion, your skin, your energy, And this is in one scoop. I'm going to say it many times because sometimes we get overwhelmed with taking all the supplements, keeping it all straight. If you're someone who would want to get a comprehensive uh, support within one scoop, vitamins, minerals, whole food supplements, this is for you. It's also great just to fill in nutritional gaps. Um, I've recommended it to many people in my life who you know, I feel like are wanting to, you know, really support themselves, support a healthy lifestyle to nourish their bodies, but don't know where to start. This is a great way to start. Plus it sets the tone for everything else you do, really sets the tone for other healthy habits. So go to athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. Again, athleticgreens.com slash almost 30 to take control of your health. And with your purchase, you are going to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D, and five free travel packs. Those travel packs I take with me everywhere. So with your purchase, you're going to get free once a year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Go to athleticgreens.com slash almost 30. I wanted to talk about this intersection and I've experienced it with with my therapist, um, this intersection between therapy and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's becoming more of a not trend, but it's just becoming more in Mm -hmm. the therapy space. And I know that your upbringing was so based in faith and Mm -hmm. spirituality and your relationship with God. Can you speak more to that? Yes, it's so important. So uh, psychology actually comes from the Greek word uh, psyche, which is the soul. So Mm. it's the study of the soul. And uh, so, you know, the um, kind of initial theorist around psychology were people of faith who also studied the mind. And then there was a shift where psychology really wanted to be taken seriously as a science. So to be scientific, then we just want to analyze your cognitions and we just want to give you behaviors. And anything that is difficult to explain, that's not the space for this, right? We we want to steer clear of that. So, you know, what uh, the, the harmful piece of that is... Um, researchers have found, on average, mental health professionals endorse lower spirituality and religiosity than the general public. Mm-hmm. So then you have people designing healing interventions, and these are people of no faith, 
And then they're presenting those to people who are largely people of faith or who are spiritual, who are religious. And so then that whole part of their identity Mm. is left out. You know, so I tell the students I teach at Pepperdine, if you've been working with someone for almost a year and you don't know anything about their faith and that is how they see the world, you don't actually know your client. You don't know them. So, uh, you know, there's been an avoidance of even asking people the question of, is that important to you? Is that a way that you cope? How does that uh, intersect with the experiences that you've had? One of the important things to hold around that space is to recognize that faith and spirituality, like anything else, can be used for the good or for the bad. And what happens is often people are only willing to acknowledge one side of the spectrum. So um, there are people who weren't raised with it and think the whole thing is ridiculous, that the whole thing is avoiding personal responsibility, that the whole thing is just about shame and blame. And so then when they have a client for whom that is central, they're very dismissive. Like literally I had a client who came to see me and she was studying to be in ministry and her therapist was a social worker, but it could be anybody, literally said to her when he found out she was in school for ministry, um, he said to her, you seem so smart. Don't tell me you believe that stuff. Wow. Right? Like, this is her life's work. Are you kidding? Wow. So, you know, literally, so of course, she dropped out, right, of therapy. No. <laughs> right? Oh, with like, therapy. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I think you meant she dropped out of uh, ministry right, school. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was no. like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, she dropped out of therapy and was out of it for years until, like, someone told her about me. And so then she came in. And so, you know, or a, another example is I worked at a clinic And the director of the clinic came into the staff meeting and was talking in this very dismissive way about a black woman who was a mother. And she was needing to make a decision about her son. And she said to the therapist, "Uh, I'll let me pray on it. I'll let you know next week. And he thought that was the most ridiculous thing ever. He comes in the staff meeting, like talking very disrespectfully about her. And I'm like, what in the world? Right, that is so bizarre for someone to say, "I need to pray before I make this big decision about my son." But if 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 people yeah. don't have any frame of reference of that, mm. then like somehow that's just a pathology or something. Um, so it, it is important to help mental health professionals to know, mm-hmm. even if that is not their frame, to really respect that for a lot of people, it is like foundational. So if like if you can't get that, like you won't really be able to serve them with care. And then I'll say on the flip side is that there are ways in which religion, faith, and spirituality have been used in very harmful ways, right? That there are people who've suffered religious abuse, people, you know, LGBTQ community, you know, being dehumanized and like all of these things. So to be aware that some people are holding that. So when I'm uh, in session with people, I can hold that full spectrum of like whatever it has meant for people, if it is their lifeline or if it has been a place of great hurt and harm. Mm. Um, But it's it's one of those things where, you know, we say that therapy is a place where you can talk about anything. So we ask you all about your sex life, right? Because And we're all in your business, right? (laughs) We we ask about your substance use because we have decided that's important. We ask work history. So you think about that, like that we have decided in this society that working is important. So I need to know like, what jobs have you had? How long did you work there? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's telling me something about you. But I would never ask about 
your faith traditions and how that has helped you or what that means to you. So it's, it is great that there uh, is much more dialogue and awareness that people are holistic beings for whatever that means to them. For some of them, it will take the form of religion. For some, you know, it's spiritual practice, you know, um, but holding space for it. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it, ju- it helped me to just see more of my soul, you yeah. know, and experience that. And I was like, oh, someone else sees that mm. or, you know, yes. recognizes that. And that feels good. And it that does. feels more holistic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and creates a safer environment. Right. That you don't me. have to leave any part of yourself out. Yes. Right. That I'm fully present. Yes. That's my nightmare to be like, oh, you believe that? Like what? Right. Like how jarring. Yes. That you're like, I'm comfortable. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm casual. And then it's like, mm-hmm. like what? Right. And I thought about that. With my therapist, too, about politics as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. how I was like, because I realized, wow, as a therapist, there's a lot of what you believe that you have to leave at the door. You know, not, and I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you cannot put really, your agenda yes, or ideas on yes, somebody. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different perspectives and people and opinions that come in and out of the room. And how challenging that must be at times to feel some type of way about things. Yeah. You know, and not be able to, yeah, and really have to leave it at the door. Right. So it is both an openness to people's experience and at the same time, I'll say, um, a reflection on some things are not just people's thoughts, but it's harmful. So it can be harmful to other people or harmful to themselves. So I say that in terms of, you know, if someone comes in and they have like a lot of sexist or racist comments, then, you know, it's not just for me, like unconditional, I have un- unconditional positive regard for the human being. Mm-hmm. But if I, you know, hear all of this, uh, like hostility toward women, right, then for me, even though it's not a problem to them, I know it's actually a problem. So then we are going to, you know, explore that. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. what, what's really going on there? Yes, because so, I think you know um, the the piece about like acceptance or presence or not putting your stuff on people sometimes will make uh, beginning therapists think they have to be quiet about everything, and often silence can be endorsement. Mm. And so, you know, if you have someone coming in and they're just like raging about immigrants and immigrants mm-hmm. took all the jobs, and you know, so you can think like, oh, that's political, so I'll say nothing. But then, like, what is going on with that person? Like, really, the lack of uh, self-awareness um, and walking around with all of that kind of poison, you know? It's, yes. it's mm-hmm. that, I have to say to myself, like, is that healthy? Like, does this sound healthy? Does yes. this feel healthy? Or, like, some, mm-hmm. you know, this is off. Yes. And that person has probably had a lot of people around them that have enabled that behavior. Yeah. And it's like, how could, if they want change mm-hmm. and they're there for change, how can you be that guide right. or mirror for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about um, showing up authentically mm-hmm. and what that means. Because I think a lot of people, you know, their goal in life is to show up authentically, to be themselves. And it's really, for me, a somatic feeling where I'm like, ooh, I'm in that pocket. I'm myself. It feels mm-hmm. so good. But how would you suggest people can show up authentically? And is it possible to be authentic all the time? Great, great question. So authenticity starts with telling myself the truth, mm. Right. And so that includes emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. to actually know what I feel. 
right? Yes. Because uh, sometimes, for example, in therapy, people are visibly hot. But when I say, oh, so that made you angry, I'm not mad. I don't care. <laughs> and, you know, it's usually we think about that with teenagers. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Yes. Right? 100%. Yeah. Damn, that's the... I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, God. I think you're mad. <laughs> like, all the signs are showing me. <laughs> so, you know, to be authentic, I, I got to have to tell myself the truth about, like, am I disappointed? Am I embarrassed? Am I hurt? Am I human? So, uh, telling myself the truth and then living from that place of truth. And um, and as you develop it, you can catch it quicker, right? So, if I'm in it, let's say I walk into a space and I feel myself shift, right? So, let me check in with myself about like, oh, why am I doing that? What am I seeing? What am I feeling? And how can I show up more as me in the moment? And let me say that Sometimes quiet is authentic, mm-hmm. right? You can go into some spaces and say, "Ooh, right, this is a mess." <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. right. Yes. So, uh, you know, I'm just so I'm just checking in with myself. I'm yes. taking care of myself. I'm not gonna like engage with that. And so, this Lindsay's is me. never felt more seen. Thank you. <laughs> She's never felt more seen. You saying that? <laughs> She's like, I'm like, I'm good. You unlocked a new level. I'm like, you're weirded out by me being quiet. It's a very distinct choice. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, honesty. Brad is like, nope, I don't want to play. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Authenticity starts with telling yourself the truth. Yeah, I I, I think just on that piece of of truth telling and using our voices more. I think especially as women, that feels like a personal theme. It mm-hmm. also feels like a collective theme based on history. You mm-hmm. know, there hasn't always been spaces, places, support yeah. for us to be able to do so. So what would you say to someone who is feeling stifled, feeling like they can't express themselves clearly or powerfully or just truthfully? Mm-hmm. Let's say to to people that they're close to, I guess, for yeah. now, because not everyone's like online mm-hmm. speaking their truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what would you What would yeah. you recommend? And, and I love you bringing up the, the gender piece. So in feminist psychology or womanist psychology is like black women's psychology, Moharista psychology is from mm-hmm. Latinas. Um, they, they all have this concept called consciousness raising. Mm-hmm. And so in therapy, if I come from that, uh, vantage point of, you know, say, multicultural feminist psychology, it's helping women to see that the issue didn't start with you, right? Because if we do that cookie cutter psychology, then it's just like your your issue, right? For some reason, you don't have your voice. For some reason, you're being silent. So then people can internalize that and just think like, I'm just broken. Mm-hmm. I'm just defective versus, of course, you have difficulty using your voice, like from the from preschool, you know, mm-hmm. we get these messages of being seen and not heard, of being uh, cute and silent. You know, I remember when I came home from college and my, my dad was like bragging to his friends. He was so excited because I uh, was on the dean's list. Mm-hmm. And so he was telling his friends and like without missing a beat, one of his male friends said, she's never going to get a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Like literally, like being smart is a problem. 
right? Oh, like that. I, oh, wow. I didn't even understand what right you were saying. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, go look, walking around, walking wow. around college with all that intelligence, who's going to want you? Wow. Right? Mm. So, you know, you think about these messages that we get. So then to just say to a woman in therapy, I don't know why you keep silencing yourself. Just speak, right? It's not really being honest. And then empowerment to, you know, in therapy, we can do the role playing or like with friends to practice. Sometimes you need to practice, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, you said, even if your voice is shaking, still say it, Mm -hmm. right? You're trembling under the table, but I'm just going to say it, you know? And sometimes when people are just getting used to speaking, when they're speaking their truth, they can get tearful. That's me. Right? (laughs) But it's like, but I'm going to say it, you know, tears are flowing, but I'm getting it out. Mm -hmm. And then the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes, the more you, you know, feel, can feel good about it. And uh, so that's, that's the journey. Yeah. It's a practice. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the book. All yes. right. Homecoming. It's, the cover's so beautiful. Uh, it just looks incredible. Really Tell good. us more about your, about your journey writing the book. Yes. Yeah, so Homecoming is really about coming back to your authentic self because stress and trauma disconnects us, right? Mm-hmm. It puts us in survival mode. It puts us in that self-erasure. It um, makes us unaware even of, uh, it can disrupt our sense of who we are, right? It's like, I know who I was before this, but like now, what does that mean? Who am I in the aftermath of that? Um, and so it, I really wanted to give the information in a way that anybody could access it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, first I started, you know, putting the quotes in social media and, you know, people gravitated to that, but then they always want to ask me questions. But what does that mean? Or how can Mm -hmm. you do that? So then I started the podcast, which is like 30 minute episodes. And then people still emailing Mm -hmm. questions. So I'm like, let's do the book. (laughs) Mm -hmm. book. All right. You want to know more. Right. right, (laughs) But more information. Yes. So, you know, really... Uh, knowledge is power and not wanting psychology to just be something for the elite, right? Yes. It's like a lot of times we do research and we publish it in articles that the public can't access. Like unless you work at a university, you can never see, and even if you could see them, they're written in a way most people wouldn't understand. So trying to like translate it and share the information so that everybody can have it. Mm. So beautiful. Thank you. It's I one of these wait. books you'll have by your bedside and yes. just be able to kind of open as for the messages. But this has been so fun and yeah. just thought provoking yeah. and a therapy session. So thank yes. you. We'll Venmo you. And <laughs> I, love talking, I love talking to therapists because you're just I like, know. I feel like that was a great question. I asked. You, know, <laughs> you feel good. You're like, we're having a great time. Yeah, they're so good. affirming. Oh. Like, yeah, really. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you oh. both. The mm. questions were great. And I think it will uh, be helpful for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. seeing. So my fiance has quoted you hundreds of times in his newsletter. And I'm literally, I'm like, this is going to be newsletter worthy <laughs> yeah. for many, yes. many months to come. So oh, finally, beautiful. beautiful. Thank you. So the book Homecoming is out. Mm-hmm. You guys can get it. And then we will link everything in the show notes and everything else. Oh. All right, guys. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Tama. That was so beautiful. Again, the book is Homecoming. It is out now. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. You can find all 
of the amazing discounts in our show notes, as well as on almost30.com. In addition to our other partners, just bringing you brands and products uh, that are conscious, that are just helping you to feel your best. And Kristen and I have vetted them all for you. Thank you for listening to Almost 30. We are here every single week, twice a week. So make sure you're subscribed so you get all of the episodes in your inbox. And if you're called to write a review, that means a lot to us. Yeah, we love you so much. We will see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.